How would you like to unplug from the Matrix, take a trip to South America, and spend weeks drinking a psychedelic brew with a shaman? That is exactly what Mike Brancantali of the Mikeadelic podcast had just got home from doing before having me on his show, the Mikeadelic podcast. I'm including that as episode 42 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast. How you guys doing? Mike Adelic, Mike Brancatelli here. We got a great episode for you today. We have a guest on the show. We have Anthony Samaroff, host of the Scottish Liberty podcast and host of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast, a weekly personal development podcast in which uh, Anthony has various guests on to talk about practical information that people can use in their everyday lives uh, to improve their health, their their mental health, which we talk a lot about on this show, parenting, communication skills, being productive, and not procrastinating. I know uh, that's um, kind of a big deal for me. I'm a, a bit of a procrastinator, um, and uh, maybe you guys are too. And uh, I really, I really, really like this conversation because I really like Anthony. He's he's just uh, he's my kind of people, and I think he's going to be your kind of people too. Uh, he's he's a fun fun loving guy, uh, someone that really enjoys his life, yet uh, seems to be very productive. He's the author of a book that we talk about on this show, and the show notes there's links to that, and I highly recommend you go getting it because guess what? It's free, folks. It's free. Okay, wrote a book. Okay, free, totally free. Never give away anything free. Book, free book. Get a free book. Procrastination. Annihilation. You're procrastinating? Forget about it, okay? Annihilate it. <clears throat> it's called Procrastination Annihilation, uh, which is amazing. I, I absolutely love that, uh, that title. So that, those links will be there. You can uh, download it. Um, I highly recommend checking that out. I think we can all benefit from things like that. But like I was saying, I really, I really like, I really enjoy Anthony. I really en- enjoyed this conversation. You know, we're both libertarians, but we're both the sort of breed of libertarian that's not, you know, I think a lot of times from an outside observer, um, you know, and I, I even get like weird sometimes using that as a label because I don't want, I, I, you can't define what I, what I represent in one label. I just think that that's the closest, most accurate representation of my, my, my moral philosophy, which basically boils down to don't hurt people and don't take their things. <laughs> you know, have respect for people. Uh, don't initiate aggression on somebody uh, unless uh, aggression is initiated on you and, and you can then therefore defend yourself. Um, that's basically it, folks. I mean, it's basically respect for other people's property and like, you know, your body is your property and those are your rights. So, you know, having respect for people and uh, not, uh, not violating uh, the rights of, of other people, you know, and having respect for, for others. And I think, you know, really that's a lot of times libertarianism gets conflated into this, you know, there, obviously because it's such a good philosophy that everybody outside of it needs to demonize it, right? I mean, there's constantly always articles about like, well, what libertarians get wrong or like how they're screwed up or whatever, why it would never work. And it's like, well, yeah, because you don't, you don't want our system to prevail. They're, they don't want our system to be tried because if it's tried, then there's no reason to have, um, you know, the other systems that are going. It's like, why would they introduce that, you know? But we know, we believe in it because we believe in morals of respect. We believe in the morals of 
not initiating force on other people and respecting other people and, and actually getting things done through negotiation and through compromise and through compassion and through love and understanding. And that's, that's, that's what Anthony's all about. That's what I'm about. Um, you know, personal development. I, you know, I'm a big believer in that. I mean, this show is, is, uh, is about that. And Anthony on his website describes himself as a wizard. So, I mean, come on, that's, that's perfect for the Mycadelic scene. We need more wizards in this crew. And I'm glad to have Anthony, the, the life wizard. Um, and he says on his website, he says he's the life wizard. He empowers heroes to meet their potential as coaching helps people discover how wonderful they are, how fucking wonderful you people really are. He helps people cultivate their talents, remove psychological barriers, uh, and helps them understand themselves and others better. And that's how we, how we build better communities and we build in a world where there's less aggression and less force and there's more understanding and more compromise. And he helps people tap into their own wisdom so they can make better decisions. Uh, Anthony is available for international sessions over Skype. You can go to his website, beyourselfandloveit.com, uh, where he, or he offers a course. He has coaching, which, he, which I just mentioned he does over Skype. And um, you can sign up for, to download that ebook. We mentioned it on the show. And that's free, once again. And um, if you go to his website, you could find out more about him. Uh, but again, I, I, like, I, like I said, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you guys will too, unless you just hate Scottish people. Then, you know, that's, that's maybe, maybe that's some baggage that you got to work out. Maybe that's a, a good time to actually call Anthony and make an appointment and just say, hey, I, I got, I, I'm, I'm triggered when I hear the sound of Scots. I, I think of uh, Mel Gibson and, and Braveheart or, <laughs> you know, whatever. And I need, I need some coaching. I need some help. I need some... Uh, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta let go of this baggage. I don't know. There, there, there doesn't seem to be too many like Scottish bigots around. So I, I think they're, they're, uh, they're free from that. Although the Simpsons did have a good, a good go at uh, groundskeeper Willie, which was a great uh, Scottish character. But then again, they made fun of everybody, which is why it's one of the best shows of all time, The Simpsons. Um, but without further ado, here we go. We're going to get today's guest in, in right now. We're going to get rolling on this conversation with Anthony Samaroff, host of the Scottish Liberty Podcast and host of the Be Yourself and Love It Podcast, author of the free ebook, Procrastination Annihilation. Go get it. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Psychedelics are illegal, not because... A loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Is Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity.
thanks for being on Mike Adelic. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been aware of you, like I said, for, for quite a while, I think now. I, I think I heard you on the Tom Woods show uh, maybe a little while back. And, um, and yeah, and then we, we had connected over Facebook, and uh, I, I happened to be out of the country. I was working at an ayahuasca retreat center for the past couple oh, months. Oh, you were working there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. That's wonderful. You must have met the most amazing people. I, I tell you, I've never been around like an atmosphere of that caliber for with the, with those kinds of like individuals, like inspiring, creative, thoughtful, deep, compassionate, loving people. I mean, it's from all around the world. It was it was wow. amazing. Yeah, wow. it was really amazing. Wow, yeah. it must have been really amazing. And what was your role in terms of helping the brave journeyers? <laughs> So I was kind of like I was th- doing this like work exchange program that they offer there. So I was sort of like the assistant to the facilitators in whatever they needed to do. You know, I was like helping out in uh, the dining hall, like organizing the food and setting up, uh, you know, people's dietary preferences and kind of uh, the the liaison in between like the the guests and the staff, you know. So I'd be like right, kind of like... You. But I was also, you know, I mean, I was taking part in the ceremonies that were going on. And yeah, I mean, it was just like a fully immersive experience of what it is to be working with, you know, this like amazing medicine in the in the jungle, in the Amazon yeah. jungle. Wow, wow, wow. So how, how, how long were you there for? I was there for three months. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, so you, you had an unplug yeah, man, I, I, I unplugged and uh, I got to say, I feel like my mental health is like way better for it. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> do you feel like less, do you feel like less need to keep on going and clicking your notifications and finding out who's been in touch with you and so far since you've had no choice for a while? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could say yes to that, right. but... <laughs> <laughs> it's like they design these things to be addictive, you know, and it's sure. um, it's just, yeah. But I what I did do recently was I did a huge news uh, purge. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like in this weird place right now where it's like I want to stay informed with what's happening in the world, but I don't want to get consumed by it. I feel like I had let myself get right. consumed by it. So I did this huge purge of just like, all these news organizations and I'm just following people that I want to follow, you know, people like Tom, you know, people like that. And, um, yeah, and I'm trying to really check my phone less, although it's really, really difficult to do so because it's right Hmm. in my, right in my pocket, you know? Um, Right. Yeah. But right, right. I hear you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, news can be such a distraction and most of it's really negative and what's more, most of it you can't really do anything about it's so much more difficult for people to focus on their own stuff because it's like, see if you look inside and you feel unpleasant, what are you meant to do with that? There's no like magic wands um, that you can wave here and now in the moment to make your unpleasant sensations disappear. So, But I mean, you can go on the internet and rant about Donald Trump's last tweet and um, his latest misdeeds or you can argue with someone who's um got a mainstream opinion you can put out some your 
your opinion and people will give you likes and you get an instant hit of serotonin and you feel like you're accomplishing something. But uh, what is the quality of your experience and what can you do with your attention? Because um, that's, I guess, what the measure of the quality of our life is going to be based upon. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, right? I, I think quality of life is like really, really important. Uh, yeah, like you said, I think what you said was really actually, like I agree with that so much. Like so much of this news is just, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I've been away for three months and then I come back and I'm like, oh, it's the same old story. Yeah. It's the same script. Yeah. They're running the same show. Right. It's the same song and dance. You know, meet the old boss, same as the, the meet the new boss, right. same as the old boss, devil in a new dress. You know, it's just like, oh, right. man. So, you know, I think I've come to and I, want, I wonder what you think about this. I think I've come to a good strategy in dealing with uh, staying current or not staying current, but staying mm -hmm. in staying in the public sphere, the public consciousness of you know, trying to offer sort of, you know, what I do with this podcast and with other things, mm. critiques on what's going on, sticking to the core fundamental principles of liberty That's and then moving from that position there and, you know, uh, focusing on self-empowerment, self, you know, getting yourself together. And this is, this is what you do. So I'm glad that I, I have you on mm. today because this is, I think, a really good topic to talk about. So why don't you, like, sure. exp explain for me and the listeners, like, how you managed to navigate this crazy world all the way from Scotland over there. I know you were just in New York too, kind of checking right. out, checking out the insanity over here, but how do you manage to sort of, um, you know, navigate things, uh, and, and, you know, give, cause you have two podcasts, the Scottish Liberty podcast and be yourself and love it. And you also do coaching uh, and you have a website. So, you know, I, I assume that this all feeds into your work. What's your kind of like daily life like in terms of dealing with, the chaos of the world. Yeah, I mean, I guess the best way to disengage from the chaos of the world is to have something better to do. You know, we, for example, when I was growing up, um, I would spend a lot of time trying to help people, some of whom wanted help, but some of whom did not want to be helped. But then when I got into coaching and I started doing this for a living, I worked with people who were so strongly motivated to change the desire to try and talk someone into taking personal development seriously that wasn't kind of waned. I, I got less into it. It was not so fun. Uh, I could tell the difference. Similarly, I used to spend quite a lot of time in years gone by debating on Facebook, but you know, I've got a libertarian podcast. We do address the news, but I always try and bring it back to the fundamental principles the way that you do. And I guess that's just more, you know, that's a passion. That's a labor of love. I, uh, or at least I wouldn't have got the experience speaking to large numbers of people and podcasting and things without having started the Scottish Liberty podcast. I mean, when you've learned so much about economics, history, politics, everything. You don't want it to just sit in your head. You want to put it out there. I would say I'm somewhat more passionate about the personal development stuff because I try and put out things that people can put into practice in their day-to-day -day life. And that is it. I mean, it's all about... I, similarly, I remember in years gone by, I went like on a, rest, a forest restoration retreat for a week, and it was like so fun. Um, 
and I, I, I've never really been that handy or great with DIY, but it was good to do something practical like get out and plant trees or take ones down that were the wrong type and weren't needed anymore for the compost heap. And one day we went out and we took down a fence and later on that evening there was some deer on the side of the fence where they wouldn't have been able to get to if we hadn't taken it down. And it was like, wow, that's really awesome. You can see the power that you have in front of you and that will maybe help you not feel like you want to kind of shout into the void. Um, and do uh, anyone who can get out and get an opportunity to volunteer or do something where they actually feel their power will see that you can actually have an impact in the world and you can help people in ways that might be more effective than uh, the keyboard warrior approach. So I guess it's harder for me to get swooped up in the world now exactly because I've got other things to do. You know, I have to two podcasts to put out a week. I work with people to help them empower themselves and improve their life, whether it's become more productive or deal with anxiety, depression, trauma from childhood experiences, try and get people empowered so that they can bring their gifts to bear because the more people we can get, you know, the, the world is like a big swimming pool where everyone in the world brings a cup of water and that's their state. And we pour it into the swimming pool and the state of the world is the combination of how we're all feeling together, how we're all acting in the world. So if you can get a nice uh, internal water filter and bring some nice clear <laughs> water and then maybe you can actually actually he start helping other people as well. So I guess I stay abreast of current affairs to a degree, but it's through libertarian podcasts like Tom Woods show usually. Um, Tom Woods has been very helpful and gracious to me. He's got me in front of a larger audience by being having me on his show three times. I'm very thankful for that. Um, and I guess, but I'm not under the illusion that political action alone is going to change the world. I think if we have personal transformation, if people are powerful, that will inevitably lead to political change but you can't put the cart before the horse because the world is a reflection of the state of consciousness of the people in it so a lot of what the state does would look stupid to an empowered people like if we were great at solving our interpersonal conflicts why would we think a oh, war was a good idea it's like this is stupid you know you guys can get down and um, sort these things out um, but when the only tool in the box is a hammer, every problem lo looks like a nail. If we were, you know, great at helping people out of tight jams, the idea of ha locking people up in a punishment type system, especially for victimless crimes, would seem insane. We, you know, we'd want to help people. We'd want to help those who could be helped to, um, re to be rehabilitated, to not recidivate, to find some useful work. You know, if everyone was competent and skilled, we wouldn't need the state to provide all the services it does because everyone would be of so much value to the people around them that they'd be wealthy. The state kind of needs to hamper people because if poor people get um, rise in income too much, they'll just do what middle class people do, which is first they take their kids out of the government schools and put them in better schools so there's less function for the state in terms of providing schools. Then they'll get 
health insurance, so they don't need to rely on the state for healthcare, and they're not calling for more state intervention into the healthcare system. There's no poor underclass to send into the army because they've they've all got skills, they've all got jobs that they don't they don't need to go into the army. There'll be less crime because people can put food um, on the table, less antisocial behaviour. So an empowered humanity really erodes the state has no use for the state so um i just suggest that we each start with ourselves and see how we can become empowered and then try and share our gifts with those around us yeah i mean it makes so much sense too because when you think about all these larger institutions that we think are so much bigger than us and you know that we seem powerless to have any effect in you know, at the end of the day, they're comprised of people, you know, people with flaws, right. people with emotions, people with, fe- you know, feelings, thoughts, desires, dreams, ambitions, whatever it may be, you know, and if you get your own house in order, I think it's way better to then go into the world and, and start making a difference there, uh, you know, cause starting from that point. Now, of course, there's a lot of people that, you know, of course, that sounds rational, that sounds logical, right? But uh, maybe, maybe there's a lot of people out there that uh, are a little intimidated or afraid mm. to really confront themselves and kind of clean up their act and get themselves together and do the right thing and get motivated and be positive. Maybe it's easier, you know, if they feel comfortable mm. criticizing, lecturing and judging. I, I think mm. a, a lot of people definitely do. Do you see that uh, a lot? Do you notice that? Yeah, for sure. It's it's a comfort to criticize, to judge, to complain. It makes you feel more solid. It makes you feel like someone else is responsible and you're so good and they're so bad. Now, it might be that there are some unscrupulous types in the world. That's certainly true. Um, I just don't know if it's just a little anesthetic. It's not really going to help you in the the long term. You know, you've got a toothache, you take some painkillers, the toothache might go away, but you've still got the problem. And that's not to say that there isn't things that to complain about. I, I mean, but I do wonder what it would be like if it was the policy of every news broadcaster not to report on a problem without reporting directly afterwards what people could do to start fixing the problem. Uh, I know it's a, it's a far-fetched scenario. It's just nice to let your, imagi- uh, your imagination run wild because most of it is about bringing to your attention problems that you can't change and your mind chews over these things over and over and over again. And I guess our minds like problems to work on. Uh, they really do. I mean, that's what they do. They they like to chew on things and try and think up solutions. And, oh, if I was in control of the government, then I would do this. Or, and we like to go out to the bar and have some beers and debate with our friends on what we do about Syria or Iran or something, you know. Uh, we're never we're when we're not even policymakers. The best you can do is change someone's mind and they might change their vote. But then, you know, the old adage doesn't matter who you vote for. The government always gets in. I'm (laughs) increasingly interested in the state within, you know, the authoritarian within, the way that we bully ourselves or give ourselves shit or we've got dreams but we're not confident enough to go out and get them. We, We go down the street and you see a beautiful girl and you think, oh, I'd love to be able to speak to her. She'd never be interested in me. And then next thing you know, she's gone. You don't have the confidence to engage with the world and you might want a higher paying job but you can't um 
negotiate for your needs. You've always wanted to write a book or draw a comic or uh, record an album or, you know, that uh, whatever it is, what is it internally that's stopping you from living the life you want to live? That's become of increasing interest to me and that's why I created the Be Yourself and Love It podcast. And I've got a short book that some people, I don't know how many of your audience have heard of me, but um, it's called Procrastination Annihilation. And I wrote that about my struggle, how I overcame much of my struggles with procrastination because I found a lot of the media on the topic was not as helpful as I would have liked. And that's free to download. People can get it from beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it. It takes about two hours to read. And that book's all about self-empowerment. I've had people who are not not so procrastinatory at work, for example. They just get their head down at work, read it, and say, I didn't realize that procrastination was my problem, but I realized there was a whole bunch of stuff I was avoiding outside of work. And then again, I've had people who th- who procrastinate on just about everything, read it, and send me emails saying, oh my God, reading your book is like you've read my mind or something. Uh, how do you know what it's like? Well, I mean, I know what it's like because I struggled with it for 30 years of my life. Mm. Um, so I really, I really recommend anyone download that book for free it's uh, be yourself and love it.com forward slash do it of course it's got links to all my other media and stuff like that in the ebook itself and i just bring that up because i feel like this is something that most people face you know it, it they want to do things but they stand in their own way and that book was a kind of catalog of how i'd learned to get out of my own way to a degree. Not that I'm completely procrastination free. I mean, the book is not a magic wand, but what's great about it is very practical. It will help people become less procrastinatory every day over a period, less and less, more and more productive, like going to the gym, like building up your muscles. So what used to be difficult for you to do becomes more and more within your power. And yeah, I'm really proud of that. I feel like it um, catalogs a lot of my learning and and would be of great value to people. Awesome, that's fantastic. Yeah, and I'll include that in the uh, in the show notes page. Um, yeah, procrastination annihilation. Love that annihilation. I mean, it's just complete, yeah. just decimate that procrastination. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, right before we started talking, I was mentioning to you that I had come across a YouTube video. I feel like that maybe connects to this message. Uh, yeah. You know, about becoming the kind of person, right? And and it's not about mm-hmm. doing the work. You know, is that is that connected to this procrastination message as well? Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, kind of a quote from my book. It says, uh, it's not about doing the work. It's about becoming the kind of person who does the work. Because once you're that kind of person, then you will do the work naturally. Like, I used to have to psych myself up for days to work on an article and I tried to work on it to completion. Mm -hmm. And then I practiced, I practiced just writing every day for half an hour a day for, it was months, it was months I did this. Now I got into the habit of just doing half an hour of writing a day. So when it came to writing my book, in short order, I was writing two to three hours a day. I wouldn't have been able to do that if I hadn't had the experience of doing it for half an hour a day so long because create, Working on a big project, whether it's writing a book or um, recording an album or something like that, it's too intimidating. It seems like a big thing. And working on it is open-ended. If you go, 
well, I'm going to work on my book now. What does that mean? You know, when, how will you know that you're finished for the day? So I like to help people choose concrete things. Like, for example, work on it for half an hour a day and just make that your habit. Then later on, once that's easy for you, once that becomes part of your routine, then you can bump it up to 45 or an hour, or you can make it two half an hour stints. Um, but first, bring something that's outside of your power into your power and focus on that. Make it easier for yourself. You can just focus on one thing at a time, make that part of your routine, and then you will be able to leverage that the way that I was able to quite once I had something, a point of focus, something I knew I wanted to finish, uh, which was the Procrastination Annihilation book, um, I was able to, yeah, it was two, two three hours a day, five, five days a week, I'd say on average, five, six days a week. And I just got my head down because I had a reason to. But you have to lay a solid foundation. I don't know who's listening, you know, and what you, you need to do with your life, what you want to do with your life. And um, you can always send me, an email and tell me a little bit about it um, and you'll be able to find my address in that book beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it um, but the, the, the problem is that people think that they should be further along than they are and that's uh, why I was digging Jordan Peterson recently because sometimes he'll say to someone you know, we'll, we'll ask him something like, what the hell is wrong with me? And he says, well, a lot of things probably because there's lots of things wrong with most people. Uh, and, you know, he'll say, say like, you know, that realism, he'll say to someone, well, it might just be that you're so goddamn useless. You can't even you can't even work for on something for 20 minutes a day. Well, in that case, just start with opening the computer. Just start with five minutes. Just start. And this is the thing. We feel bad because we think we should be better than mm. we are. So I like that. So I like that turn of phrase. It might just be that you're just so useless. Like uh, one thing I say in the book is take a realistic assessment of what you can rationally expect of yourself in any given moment. So maybe you can't do the most important task on your list of things you want to do because you, you're not psychologically prepared for it. Well, that's fine. Choose something easier. Do that to get juice. Do that to get some momentum behind you. And maybe when you've got a little bit of energy, um, then from doing something productive, then you'll be able to do something harder afterwards. You know, maybe it might be a good idea to get out of the house and go to a cafe and write your emails from a cafe rather than write them in the house just to get you out of the house, fresh air, a coffee, feeling around people. You need to find out what works for you, different thing. You need to become the scholar of yourself. Uh, this is all about learning to work with yourself instead of try and whip yourself into shape or admonish yourself or give yourself crap. I mean, if that was, if that worked, then there would really be no need for a personal development industry at all because most people's seasoned veterans have given themselves hell, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's not really a very effective approach. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I answered your question, but I'm just kind of, yeah. With it. No, totally. And it just reminds me of I was kind of beating myself up the other day, deservingly so, because I, I couldn't believe that I spent two hours on Twitter 
arguing with Ayn Rand objectivists about well, the most yeah about about the the about the nature of reality. I'm like, what am well, I doing right now? Why am right. I doing this? This is insane. Uh, you know, it was kind right. of like this novel feeling that I had of like, ooh, memories right. of the past of like infighting and social media. Like, it's like, right. why am I doing this? I I had right. um. I had forgot, I guess, or something, you know, that engaging with people on Twitter and these, you know, these discussions that require far more than 240 mm. characters to, to discuss right. is pointless because at the end of the day, right. it just devolves into ad hominem attacks and, you know, my side versus your side, you know, right. kind of zingers and these sorts of things. And I'm like, Wow, how great would it have been, Anthony, if I talked to you the day before mm. and you had told me mm. to maybe write in a journal instead or or just sit mm. down and just start typing something rather than arguing with people on yeah. Twitter. <laughs> you know, you could take that and, and write you an article on why you think Ayn Rand got it wrong on objective reality. Of course, we all know that Ayn Rand was right about everything ever. So, like, right, exactly. there's, there's no argument about that. Like, obviously, I mean, Ayn Rand... She was right about everything. My God, the, these people are so humorless and joyless and defensive. They really and are. The the people that I was talking to, and it's like, hey, look, I'm like, I'm like, kind of on your side. Like, I kind of, right. you know, I like the Fountainhead. Like, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> we can, we, we can have a healthy debate, but uh, sometimes with some people, there's no healthy debate. They just want to smash you to pieces. And it's like, oh, okay, all right, we're going down that route. No, never mind. Right. <laughs> Well, they are one of the kind of groups of who who really think they are the fountainhead of truth, let's say, so to speak. I mean, I'm a great lover and admirer of Anne Rand myself. Yeah. I, I really love her stuff. Um, I think she was a wonderful thinker, and she had a great command of the English language and a way of putting a point across and an interesting way of arguing. And I think she was a very wise person. Well, I don't know if she was wise, maybe in her social sphere. People say that she was kind of uh, running a little bit of a cult towards um, later <laughs> in her life and things like that. Um, but I think she was, you know, something special. But the thing is, people try and be, channel other people. Mm -hmm. And what they end up doing is delivering third-rate Ayn Rand instead of first-rate whoever they are. You know, yeah. I, I don't know if this is true, but there's a story that when George Gershwin, uh, the great American pianist and composer, went to Europe, he asked Ravel to mentor him, and uh, Ravel said no, because then you will start producing second-rate Ravel instead of first-rate George Gershwin. I don't know if it's actually true, but it's it's a good it's a good way of putting it. And I've yeah. sometimes felt that uh, with adherents of any ideology, whether uh, uh, another one is sometimes some people who are big fans of the show Freedom in Radio, which I'm sure many listeners of your show are familiar with. You know, instead, yep. yeah, yeah. Instead of trying to deliver discover themselves and their view and put across a point i see them trying to be second-rate stefan molyneux and and they're failing at it because only stefan molyneux can do stefan molyneux only me can do me and only mike uh, can do mike adela can uh, this is one of the reasons why my podcast i guess is called be yourself and love it podcast because you you it's not enough to be yourself like a lot of people when you say be yourself they'll think what myself you mean like the crappy one at school who didn't get dates like no thanks anyone but that guy 
You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like you've got to be yourself and love it. And in order to do that, you need to discover yourself. Like everyone's got a unique perspective and a and a point of view. And we've got all certain predispositions and things we could be skilled at and um, certain passions. And these are to be cultivated and um, to be taken seriously, to like take your life seriously and look at what you've got going for you and like do something with it like pass through this lifetime because if all you want to do is eat sleep and fuck you know (laughs) well there's no there's not really much point in coming here as a human you know a lion can do that not that there's anything with being a lion being wrong with being a lion either but you know you don't you, you don't need to be a human being to do all that stuff it's like you must have something that you want to create or bring or you've got a point of view. It doesn't really matter if you only share it with like 12 people as long as they, as long as you see your yourself reflected in them like, ah, oh, that's interesting, you know. Um, and I really, that's, I want to help, you know, people feel like they can do that. They can share their gifts with the world because it's not just, for them, it's for all of us. You, you know what I mean? We're missing out. If, yeah. if Ayn Rand, if Ayn Rand was um, a chronic procrastinator, the world would have missed out on her wisdom. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are the kind of things in, that are on my mind. Like when I put out media, I try and make it not too philosophical. Philosophizing is loads of fun. And I do it quite a lot on the Scottish Liberty podcast. But in the personal development stuff, I'm always trying to think of practical approaches and tools because, quite frankly, I didn't get the quality of help that I would have liked to get growing up. It wasn't practical. Like, I read all these self-help books, and some of them had practical tips sometimes, but they didn't change me. So when I felt better, when I felt like I was going places more I made significant progress in various areas of my life. I was always trying to find ways to break things down and make them practical and usable. Like none of the books I read on procrastination helped me um, overcome procrastination. Otherwise, there would have been no point in me writing a book on it. Which, by the way, you can download from beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it. I, I guess I'm just meandering. You, um, no, no, no. This is great. I, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, none of the books on pre- procrastination probably helped you because you procrastinated and never read them. But no, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, right. there there are. And this is something that I really wanted to talk about, too. And, um, you know, I, lo- I love the message of, of be yourself and be unique. You know, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Right. It's like, you know, this right. this this kind of like rip off. And this is what I, I had actually written on Twitter to these people that were sort of annoying me. I was like, look, like, mm. uh, you know, one of the biggest annoyances are, are these people who um, usually, and usually it's young people who learn something new, mm. decide this is the truth, yeah. capital T, yeah. and now I'm just going to espouse this kind of regurgitated message from this person who I worship and uh, defend it like hell, just be militant about it. And, you know, I used to mm. be like that, actually. I used to be like that very much. You know, I, I used to, I used to definitely um be very like militant in my approach with with libertarianism and and well anarchy and and you know everything and just kind of uh take that approach but you don't win people over that way you know you don't you don't you don't inspire people and you know when you talk i hear a sense of lightness a sense of mm. in in you know a sense of like 
uh, hope in your voice. You know, it's not like mm. you're you're lecturing or you're you're coming down on on these these mm. topics. There's a lightness there. There's 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 a crack of of hope that's it's inviting. You know, and I hope people listening see that too. It's inviting, and I think that's what people who are liberty minded want. You know, we want to invite people yes. into our our campfire and say, "Hey, sit our down." Let, yeah, yeah, our cult. You just send thirty nine ninety five to me and Anthony at anthonyandmikecult.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you you got to invite them over to the campfire and say, "Hey, tell your story. Yeah. Let's listen." Like, what 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 did you right. believe? How were you indoctrinated? How were you programmed? What do you think? What's mm. your story? What are you attaching to? Because everybody's got them, you know, and uh, mm. you know that's that's I think that's a big yeah, part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, a big part in kind of like changing the changing the game. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, there there I went meandering a little bit, but we were talking about no, the I like s- it. S- <laughs> we're talking about the self help uh, mm. books. So what I'm curious to know a few things. What were some, what were the, what was a self-help book or what was a book? It doesn't have to be a self-help book, but what mm. was like the thing that, that got you inspired? Someone, an author, a writer, a thinker that really kind of triggered you to say, ah, yes, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Or was it just kind of, you know, how did that, how did that play out? Ooh. Well, I mean, to pick up on your first point, it's like people don't care what you know until they know that you care. I, I like that old one. It's never ceased to be true. And it's good to come at people with a sort of openness and, as you say, a lightness and talk to them. Be a human being to them. Don't behave as though, you know, if they don't have the correct opinions, there's something wrong with them. Because you're not really in a relationship. You're just souring your own mood and someone else's mood. Um, I'm not saying that you never get in an argument and you never fight or anything like that, but it might happen. But as a way of life, it's not a fun way to be in the world. So I guess on that point, probably the book that had the most practical knock-on effects of me having read was uh, Nonviolent Communication by Marshall Rosenberg. Um, That's a really good book. I think when I got, after I got that book, I'd read some books on communication skills before, I'm sure. One was uh, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk, which was a very important book to me because it was basically a guidebook to all the ways that I had not been spoken to when I was a child and made me go, oh, wow, really? Like, I was right not to feel good growing up because here's the proof, you know? Yeah, I wasn't treated warmly in the way that this book exposes it and would teach people how to. Um, so that was quite, and that had a similar approach in it to paraphrasing what people said when they were in a heightened state of agitation or being upset or uh, angry or anything like that, to accept other people's emotions and to reflect them back to them. Wow, it sounds like you're really angry about that. I'm wondering if you feel upset because you need. So, nonviolent communication came by. I I read the book and I really practiced the empath- empathetic listening element of that book. I don't know how familiar you or your audience are or aren't with that book. I I presume a lot of people. I've heard of it. If it, if not, well, 
It's the second most important book to read apart from Procrastination Annihilation by Anthony Samaroff, <laughs> obviously. Nice. Um, it led me down the road of doing what I'm doing now because when I learned to listen to... You know, we were talking before about having something better to do. If you don't have anything better to do when someone else is upset, you'll probably offer them unsolicited advice or you'll philosophize or you, you'll do something that ends up having them frustrated or infuriated and they'll just feel like they can't get their needs met because usually people are looking for empathy first and advice second that book or if you don't know how to assert yourself in a um, non-confrontational way then you'll do it in a confrontational way the the best solution is to have something better to do and i think non-violent communication taught me a lot and it got my interest sparked in communication skills in general and I started reading a bunch more books on communication skills and uh, running workshops and that led me to um, going and doing a counselling qualification and some coaching qualifications and uh, because people were coming to me for help uh, and I thought it would be good to have some some uh, something bona fide behind me. So I guess that's the book that had the most impact on me because it sent me down this rabbit hole to where I am now. Mm -hmm. I'd like to think I would still have been doing something not too dissimilar from what I'm doing now if I hadn't found this book, but Lord knows how I would have got into it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think that uh, for what you're doing now, it's uh, exactly the kind of person that you want to have in a position to be doing Mm -hmm. something like that. Someone, you know, that comes from the personal experience something happened Mm. to you you went through something you Mm. learned from it um Mm. i noticed that today there's tons and tons of like so-called self-help gurus and life coaches and self-improvement types of people and it can be kind of hard to like wade through a lot of this Mm. stuff if you want to sort of get your life on the right track but i also want to go back to something that we talked about before which is this idea that we're not good enough and that Mm. we should be doing more and oftentimes oftentimes i think that this is sort of the the marketing message Mm -hmm. to sell these sorts of books is like you know you're not good enough and you need to be doing more and you know i'll give you i'll give you an example um you know uh tim ferris is a guy that i think is he's he's pretty good i guess i mean he's okay i don't personally find him to be tremendously appealing but i i noticed that him and a couple of these other guys in this sort of like optimize your lifestyle kind of people they really want to make you into like a machine you know it's all right. about it's all about maximum efficiency maximum output and optimization which could leave a lot of people kind of down in the dump saying like oh man i I can't do all these things on the list, you know, wake yeah. up, read the New York Times, run a 12K, like whatever, you know, whatever mm. the, the thing is. Yeah. So what, what, uh, I wonder what your opinion is about that, because it sounds like to me that you're pretty uh, accepting of the natural human condition and people's desires and motivations. And it's like, well, hey, let's start with what you can do and who you are. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, yeah, it took me a long time to get there, I think. Um I did. I didn't have anything better to do than crack the whip at myself. I didn't know. I didn't know another way of operating, and it didn't help that much. So yeah, I mean, people like Tim Ferriss, they're probably got. They've got a certain kind of personality. You know, they're systematizers, 
I, I think, you know, the guy, uh, a friend of mine, Darren, who does my website and uh, some back-end things for me, has been very helpful. He's a cinematographer. Like, he's got that kind of systematizer personality. He likes maximum efficiency. Different people are wired up differently. And if you try and fit a square peg in a round hole, etc., you know, all the cliches apply. So... I appreciate people being able to do life hacks personally. Tim Ferriss, I've listened to his podcast a few times. Um, something about his voice sounds uh, like I, I don't think I, I his, he's not my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. His books, his book, his books are not written in a way that appeals to me. I can't get through them. And I've tried a couple of them and um, he will appeal to certain personalities and he's certainly done well for himself. Um, so he must be doing something right. I think that from my perspective, you need to make substitutions. If you try and change everything in your life at once, you will achieve nothing. Go um, narrow and deep. You know, if you want, if you really want to do something special, choose one thing that would take five to ten minutes, maybe fifteen, twenty max to do. It could be floss your teeth. It could be just one thing that you know that if you did that every day, it could be <clears throat> play guitar for 15, 20 minutes, put your stop clock on. See if you can do that for three weeks without missing a day. Yeah, these, be should, a change, these should be things be a that you person. enjoy, right? Like these these should yeah. be things that you want yeah. to do. This is yeah. the, we're talking yeah. about like that kind of. over the hump. Yeah, you got to get over the hump, the learning curve, the the kind of break the habit barrier, right? Yeah. yeah, and if you could do that every day for three weeks without missing a day, if you miss a day, that's no problem. Just go back to the beginning uh, of the three weeks. See if you do that, 21 days, you will be a different person. You will be the kind of person who does that every single day, That that one thing. It will be... The the third week things start tend to start getting easier, you know whatever it is in the third week it tends to start getting easier and then you get to the point where if you miss a day it's easy to pick it back up again the next day because you're used to doing it. If you achieve that, I'm listen, I'm speaking to you, the person listening, right? If you achieve that with one thing, you will know that you have it in you to change yourself. You know that you have it in you to break a habit or to make a habit, and a lot of the pressure will be off. If you've never done it before, it's easy to be downhearted. Like, there's so many things that I, yeah, like, I, I, after writing my first book, I took a break from writing for a while, and I'm, I'm back on an hour a day most days writing again. Quite recently, it's like, I didn't mind taking a break because I know I could start again at any time. That just wasn't me three years ago. I would be scared. Like, I, I, I wouldn't know how long it was going to take me to build up to it again. So I definitely, if I got in a good routine, I wouldn't want to lose it. Now it's like whenever I'm ready, I'll, I'll do it. So you see, that's a pressure off me. If you can't do the things you want to do, you can't go out to the park and enjoy because the whole time you'll be thinking of the things you have to do when you get home. You can't go out to the bar with your buddies because you think you should have written your paper and you don't even know if you're going to do it tomorrow. So it's a really big limitation on your personal freedom. 
Yeah. And yeah, as I say, like if you can make one change, that will go a long way because you're like, well, I've changed one thing. I might be able to change other things. If you've not done that yet, it can seem pretty hopeless at times. Man, it's pretty insane that we fall prey to being the victim of our own authoritarian egos. It's insane. Like right. we, 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 of course, everybody in the world, you know, deep down knows that they, they oppose like any sort of tyrannical dictatorial rule over them or over themselves mm. in their lives. Right. I mean, some people more than others, but mm. where better to start than yourself, than your own mm. mind, body, soul, and spirit to say, Hey, let me try and be as free as I can. And, and I think when you try and make that effort to be free, you're definitely going to live a, a happier life. Right. For sure. Um, well, Everyone goes through ups and downs, but you can make the downs less low and the ups more high. Um, yeah. Changing your inner dialogue is, is, is really hard to measure. Like, I know that I'm a different person because I do a bunch of stuff that I, didn't, I wasn't able to do a couple of years ago. So I can see the evidence that I've changed. Um, where your, your mind tends to take the character of your emotions. So even if you're doing all the stuff that you want to do, you can, and when you're down, you can still feel like, oh my God, this is hopeless. Like, what am I even doing here? And when you're high, you're like, ah, life's amazing. Like, I can't believe I ever feel that, you know, oh, things are going so well and things like that. So there's a lot of, there, I, I'm kind of investigating you, recently in my life using tasks as ways of changing emotional state uh, mm. it's quite new to me i'll probably have more to say about it later like i like practicing these uh, trauma release exercises just a little bit every day um 10 15 minutes tends to do it people can look up trauma release exercises if it's something that they're interested in um <clears throat> and i was noticing that it's very good for anxiety um, not just as in it reduces your general level of anxiety, but it does. But I noticed if I practiced when I was feeling anxious, then I felt a lot um, calmer afterwards. Or one thing that I like doing is uh, I, I write raps. And I never really started taking it seriously until this year and actually practicing them. And I noticed practicing rapping for 10 minutes would like make me feel like in a really good mood. So nice. what I realized... This, yeah, what I realized is I did these thing activities. I tended to do these activities in the evening, but my energy levels were the lowest in the morning. And I felt bad in the mornings during the period where I was experimenting with this most assiduously. I was going through a difficult time. And I was like, well, why don't I do these activities in the morning and see how that affects me? So, yeah, right enough, I used like my my 10 minutes of practice rapping in the morning to perk myself up or when I was an anxious when I was actually feeling anxious to take 10 minutes to put my alarm on for 10 minutes and practice these trauma release exercises I'd like to to get someone on my show to speak about them maybe you'll do the same um yeah so so find out find it this is about being the scholar of yourself like find out what works for you I realized that I was doing a lot of activities in the house. I mean, I work from home, uh, so it's very easy to get caught up here. And just doing things that I could do out 
do them out. Like, take my laptop down to the cafe and send my emails and reply to messages and do all that stuff there for an hour, an hour and a half. The energy that I get from being out of the house was well worth the price of a coffee or a cake or, you know, or whatever. So this is the kind of, this is what I've been thinking of more recently. Like, can you observe your activities and see the effects on your acti- of your activities on your mood? Because our, our moods follow our actions. We think, oh, I'll do that when I feel in the mood to do it. And that's part of like what my help, my book helps teach you is to coach yourself through doing things that you might not necessarily feel like, but that take you over once you get into them. Um, yeah, and, and observe the effects of different activities. Does sitting too long um, make you feel drowsy and uncomfortable? Does being on the computer too long give you a foggy head? Does drinking more than one coffee make you... Uh, buzzing and unclear-headed and incapable of concentrating. Like, observe what do the things you do, what what effects do the things you do have on you, and use them, yeah, especially the ones that have a positive effect on you. See how you can use your first-hand experience. Uh, so that's what I've been investigating the last couple of months. That's kind of fresh off the press. Oh man, you heard it here first, folks. Fresh off the press, hot out of the oven. That, well, that's fantastic, Anthony. I mean, being the scholar of yourself, I, when you said that, it just really struck a chord with me because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I think a lot of times in life we tend to look to um, others who maybe are writers or scholars or thinkers mm. or, or these other sorts of authority figures who we say, well, yes, this person's smart, this person's credentials, this person's validated and accepted in society and held up as, as somebody who is, is an exemplar of, of certain sorts of mm. behaviors or patterns or ways of thinking. And yeah, sure, that might be true. But at the end of the day, you have to be the arbiter of your own good Absolutely. and bad. You have to be the own authority of yourself, right? And and if you're not going to do it, who's who's going to do it? Right. Um, and, and and have fun with it, I think, is, is the key, right? I mean, like, you know, I, it sounds like to me, like, you know, waking up in the morning and, and rapping sounds awesome. I mean, that's like, right. you know, if that's something, whatever it is that you do, I mean, if there's something, a fun little hobby that you do, and, and, and if mm. you're feeling uh, bad a certain time of the day, I mean, I know sometimes I struggle to get up in the morning, but, you mm. know, doing something right away. I think mm. is really good. And, and it leads me to the next portion of, of the show that I want to talk about, which is, you know, doing something like that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, hacking reality or like changing mm. your consciousness to elevate your mood. And you had mentioned trauma release as well. So mm. this, this leads us into the territory of maybe altered states of consciousness, mm. and, you know, getting out of your own way and getting some clarity, whatever it mm. is that you're doing. So you had mentioned to me that you had uh, drank ayahuasca. Um, right. I I just got back from from living in the jungle for three months. Uh, maybe I don't know, just kind of a general kind of throw it out there. Maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, uh, psychedelics or your ayahuasca experience or just any forms of hmm. uh, of of kind of altered states, whether it be meditation or yoga that you engage in that helps provide you right. with some some clarity or something. Well, it is, after all, the Micadelic podcast. So, yeah, I've got some experience with psychedelics, I guess, when I was about um, 18, 17, maybe for the first time, I, I tried some mushrooms and I was uh, had some in my uh, first flat um, I, and I tried them and I experienced the 
interesting emotional the 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 amazing impact that my emotions could have on or my mind could have on my emotional states and how if I imagine something I could bring up an emotional state and the other thing is I I the attention I paid to detail was something that was really incredible. I re- remember starting to write myself a little dissertation about how if you started dropping letters or words out of sentences, they somehow seemed less beautiful to to my to the mind because the sentence was less coherent. Even if you knew it was meant to say, say the cat is on the mat, if you wrote the cat is on mat, there was something that w- irked me. It wasn't the example I used, but there was <laughs> something that irked me in my in my psychedelic state. So that was one of my first introductions to psychedelics and I, I I enjoyed exploring that. I think I was in the place in my life where I was like, you know, uh, I want to experience something and discover and like what am I doing here? And so so that was interesting. And then they kind of went on the back burner for a while. I didn't get access. In fact I think what happened actually was I took mushrooms quite a few times, and they are a substance that you can quite fast build a tolerance to. Mm-hmm. Um, about a year later, I hadn't done them for so long, and uh, I, I dropped some at a party, with uh, a dosage that would have been fine for me but at the, uh, a year previously, but which turned out to be too heroic a dose for me and scared the crap out of me and uh, maybe put me off for a while. Uh, but uh, I didn't have access then. Then, in my mid-twenties, someone came over and gave me a cactus. It was called Peruvian Torch, and I tried it with him, and he stayed for a couple of hours and was like, I've got to go home, man. So I laid down in my bed, and I experienced the most... Ah, there was just something wonderful about the state. Again, attention to detail, the things I was experiencing in my body... Um, and I put on some chanting, some Buddhist chanting, and I felt how the music was affecting the atmosphere in the room, and I knew something really quite magical was going on with that plan. And um, I also fell into a pain in my back. And it's like a voice in my head was like, you've got to go to the chiropractor like right away. And this is getting to like four, four or five o'clock in the morning. So right enough, um, a year, an hour or two later, uh, it's 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 opening hours for business, and I I contacted the local chiropractor and um, went in for an assessment that day, and he was he was able to identify problems with my body that could be fixed, and he kind of sent me sent me down the the beginning to address those problems, um, why why I had that pain in my back, um, to do with the position of my shoulders, they were too far forward, and um, I've got some muscles that were that that were not at the full length, and and things like that. So that was that again. It it showed me that plants can really do something for you if if taken in the right context. And um, I experimented with that cactus a number of times, 
uh, over the next year or two. I even introduced some friends of mine. Yeah, I, I got in touch with the friend who brought them over, and I was like, oh, I need to buy some of that off you. And he was like, really? I'm not selling it. And he texts me back. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, I need to go and acquire my, some myself. So he must have had a good experience too. And I found some on the internet. So I, I remember I found that to be a real that state of consciousness that plant to be a very good teacher for me there's something about the attention to detail and becoming aware of my anxiety and a voice in my head was able to say you know calm down you know you're, you're not going to die but I really feel it's something that I've not done in many years but I do consider um trying again because I feel like it was actually a very good teacher for me and I learned a lot on my experiences on that cactus and I was not taking it in heroic doses you know I'm I'm chicken Mike you know I don't like taking heroic doses of substances I was taking it in a very modest dose but it was bringing a certain attention to my experience that um, allowed me to notice things that I wouldn't usually notice um, yeah, and then I did. I was a, I, I did ayahuasca. There is somewhere I know uh, in in England where they where they do ceremonies. And the, the the first time I did it, I just got so paranoid all night. I could speak, <laughs> I couldn't move. Like I was so, I thought it was the end of the world that I was in hell or something like that. But when I came down, I was so humble and so modest and. I know it's such a modest thing to say, I, I'm so modest. No, but I was just <laughs> feeling so down to earth and earthy. And everyone there around me was just so wonderful and beautiful. And there was this connection between me and the people around me that made me think, even though I'd had a horrible experience, there must be something going on here because the way that I'm connecting with people is sublime. So I went back for a three-day, three-night retreat. And I'm sorry to say I had, Two more nights of paranoia. I tried to drink. Um, I get. I tried to drink more of the medicine uh, I, to see if I could pole vault over my mind. Uh, but the opposite happened. I just kind of lost control. But on my fo- like anyone would have thought I was crazy for coming back for more. But I felt compelled. I had to know what was in this for me. And the fourth night, I just experienced a state of such bliss and connection with the universe and uh, my true nature. And uh, that was my last night there. And I was dancing later on and uh, connecting with people around a campfire. And yeah, the, the thing that really kept me coming back to try this plant was the the connection with people not even just on it but the next day you know when you're hanging around a retreat there's something about the the having that experience with people that really brings you together and it could really connect with people so it's been a number of years since i've drunk ayahuasca i would caution anyone who has a fearful personality um uh tendency towards anxiety which I did and I'm now working on through other means to tread carefully with psychedelics because you can actually get you can actually re-traumatize yourself if you get flooded with anxiety or fearfulness it can basically create a groove in your brain that makes you more likely to feel those uh, feelings and that can go on for a couple of years so I um, I would always recommend, like, if I could go back, 
I would have done a lot of other work before I did ayahuasca to save me having to get like paranoids and not be able to escape a scary um, journey for so long. Uh, and, you know, the kind of work that I'm doing now free of psychedelics. So for some people, it's fine. Some people are just like gung ho and they're fearless and they, they, they're, they're not wired up like that. But if you, you do have a tendency towards anxiety or fearfulness, um, well, I mean, I guess get in touch with me and I'll, I'll suggest some other things that you can look at. You know, there's there's bioenergetics, there's trauma release exercises, Feldenkrais uh, method, there's um, uh, somatic experiencing, EMDR. There's all sorts of different healing modalities that you can work with for a while. You can investigate and see which ones suit you and see if you can m first reduce your levels of anxiety um, to something manageable before you go putting substances in your body that you know might get you in for an experience that you might not enjoy for you know a night of 24 hours who knows so that, that that's my only caution regarding psychedelics yeah that's great we can do like a cross promotional thing they'll go see you they'll get sorted out then they'll come see me and i'll feed them drugs perfect okay right. <laughs> well of course we're not allowed to call them drugs you have to t treat them deferentially and call them medicine yeah we can call them uh, we can call them plant teachers we can call them the mm. spirits from beyond the food of the gods whatever you would like to call them they go by many names but mm. maybe at the end of the day drugs is okay too um, okay. <laughs> um yeah actually th there's a there's a lot of good stuff going on right now with uh you know I was just reading in the Wall Street Journal they had like an article the new science of psychedelics uh, this guy Michael Pollan mm -hmm. who's a great author has a new book coming out that I'm, I'm very excited to read and hope to get him on the show uh to I know he's probably extremely busy but that would be great and um yeah I mean but that's great I mean thanks for sharing that that experience and those stories um is is there anything that you I mean you mentioned the the trauma release um is there anything else that you kind of like partake in and having like a daily exercise maybe to just kind of clear your mind or get out of your head or is it pretty much just the trauma re release and the wrapping Oh, I have lots of stuff. I journal three pages a day every day. I recommend that everyone journals for 15 minutes a day. If you find it difficult to do two pages, good, persist through the third page because that's when you're going to have to force yourself to think of things. It keeps your filing cabinet nice and tidy and it gives you an opportunity to fr uh, confront anything that you've not been looking directly at and um, clear out any old emotions or resentments or or get clarity on what's going on in your life, that's really, really great. And it's relatively inexpensive. Awesome. Um, Excellent. I, I do, do some breathing exercise, some yogic breathing exercises that I learned in India. And uh, I go to yoga classes when I can. It's something that I'd like to be doing every day. But um, scheduling and willpower is not necessarily all in place yet. But I'm going in that direction. So, so yeah, lo lots of stuff. I I'm always interested in different ways of learning to improve. I'm kind of like a lab. I'm kind of like a laboratory where I try things out and then I recommend to other people what's helped. Uh, I'll guess. Yeah, you, you, we we actually we just we just lost the call, but now we're back. And I don't know. I'm not really good at editing, so I'm just going to tell you guys that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, you were saying that. Uh, 
you were like your body is uh, is like a laboratory. You kind of you treat yourself like a laboratory is is where we, we <laughs> left off. Right. It was like I try stuff out and see what helps, and if something's helpful, I make a little video recommending it or try and cover it in a podcast or something like that. So, um, yeah, I I guess that that's comes back to being the scholar of yourself, doesn't it? I mean, as you said, people go to authorities. Um, for, and that's okay sometimes when it comes to information, it's great to learn things. But when it comes for transformation, information doesn't really cut it. You know, people need to give you practices and stuff that you can do to sort yourself out, as uh, Jordan Peterson puts it, sort yourself out, you know. Um, and I try and find, discover processes like, Jesus, I, I wish that information was enough. Uh, and that's where I went wrong for most of my 20s. I was looking for healing and the right information. Now I know that it's more about processes. It's more about practices. If you really, if you really want to change your th- state, I mean, your body's just a big laboratory itself, isn't it? It's cooking up chemicals, and if it cooks up the chemicals you want, you have high. You you enjoy your emotional states, and if it doesn't cook up the chemicals you want, then you feel depressed or anxious and. And, and what have you. And then sometimes you might imbibe some chemicals to produce the chemical states that you want so you can have certain experiences and that has its place. And I've benefited tremendously from some of my experiences on substances. But I always wanted to learn the core, you know, what's the core teaching of that experience that I can apply to my day-to-day life when I'm not under the influence. Mm-hmm. And it would be nice to improve my state so to speak like uh, a lot of people have taken ecstasy mdma you know for partying and raves and stuff like that for me it's really not um substance that i can uh, any longer be sociable on uh, i get so introspective on it that i need to go home and journal and tidy my room and like oh my god like i need to get my life in order um it's, it's quite it's quite wonderful in a way so you know that's something that i might take um on my own, if I'm going through a really difficult period in my life, maybe once or twice a week, I'm, I'm uh, disclosing stuff that I've never disclosed on the internet before about my substance use, by the way. It's like, you know, most people don't think about using a substance like that for that reason, to give you a, a more loving perspective on a difficulty that you're having, you know, just you and your journal and some nice music, some incense, candles, ooh, romance yourself, you know, mm-hmm. but actually, to use it to introspect and to bring a higher knowledge, uh, sorry, a higher perspective to issues you might be dealing with. Take lots of notes. Don't send any text messages or Facebooks, but write them down. And if it still seems like a good idea to send them, you know, one or two days later, then you're probably onto something there. You know, it's it's great um, if you can use things to give you a different perspective. Um, they shouldn't be a substitute. Um, but an aid. Definitely an aid. Um, you know, I love this quote by psychedelic research pioneer um, and holotropic breathing uh, inventor Stanislav Grof, uh, who says mm. that uh, in, this, in the 1970s, actually, he was quoted as saying that, like, um, psychedelics can be ex- like a tool for the mind, uh, a tool mm. to use to help aid and study the mind, mm. much in the same way that a telescope mm. uh, has been used 
for astronomy yes. or a, a microscope for biology. You know, these are tools to aid us in mm -hmm. our investigation of the world. And mm -hmm. psychedelics can be used in, as tools to aid us as an investigation into our world. And, you know, right. I think that uh, whatever you have to do, if you're doing it in a responsible and respectable way in the proper set and setting with the right intention, mm -hmm. um, you know, and healing yourself of trauma or, you know, healing, gaining some clarity over maybe some emotional blockages or some things that maybe you're not even aware of. Uh, you're doing yourself, I think, a huge favor. You're increasing freedom and liberation for yourself. And and then, mm. like you said earlier in the podcast, you know, you're doing the world a favor as well by contributing right. whatever you have to it. So, mm. yeah, I mean, I, I, I love I love your message. I, I love what you're what you're talking about. Where can people go and and find, uh, you know, uh, I know you have a website, you have two podcasts. So now's the time. Tell people how they can uh, get sorted out with you. <laughs> Yeah, you can get Be Yourself and Love It podcast on iTunes. Uh, I've also got a YouTube channel. But to be honest, the best thing to do is just download my book from beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it because there's a link to everywhere you can possibly find me in that ebook. So even if you don't read it, if you put it off, you'll, you'll have the links to where you can find my podcasts and short YouTube videos and all sorts of stuff. So that's your best bet. Be yourself and love it, people. Everybody else is taken. And what other cliched common phrase quote can I say to end this podcast? To be yourself in a world that's constantly trying to make you something else is a great accomplishment, right? So I don't know who said that, but someone famous, I, I believe it was Emerson. Um, Anthony, thank you so much for spending time with me and, and the Mike Adelic uh, crew today. Um, yeah, we. I couldn't be more on board with uh, with your message. I'm gonna include all those show notes and those links. People, make sure you go check out all of his stuff. Anthony, uh, pleasure, and uh, let's do it again sometime soon. Oh wow, I'd love to. Thank you so much, Mike, for having me on your show. I deeply appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to any opportunity to speak to you again in the future. And bye, everyone at home. Thanks for spending your time with us. Bye, bye, people. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. You know what to do if you love this show. Share it, like it, spread it with your friends. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker. And uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. Or you could go on iTunes and leave me a nice five-star rating and review. Whatever you do, thank you for listening. Much love to you all. Peace. score until next week be yourself well don't just be yourself be yourself and love it